Good morning to Radhakala Chanji Dam. Good morning to all the assembled devotees. Today, believe it or not, is the actual last, no, first day of November. Who knew as you matured and got older that time would go by so very, very quickly. Today we're reading from First Canto, chapter 3. And I do believe text 16 is on the board. But before we read, we always like to get the mercy. And remember how much we're loved by Krishna. As we sing Jai Radhamadava. Hare Krishna, thank you. And it shows how much Krishna loves Radha. Krishna loves Radha. Krishna loves us all. Totally unmatchable love. But I'm not sure where the small cartels are. These are super big. Do we have small ones? I think those are bigger. Oh, oh, Sam. Sorry for all this commentary. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Okay. Jayaradamadhava Kunjabihari Jayarada Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Yashoda Nandana Braja Jadaranjanan Yashoda Nandana Braja Jadaranjanan Yamuna Vanachari Jamuna Tira Vanachari Jayarada Madhava Kunjabihari Jayarada Madhava Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba 
ಕಿರಿದಾರಿ ಜಾಯ ಗೋಪಿ ಜಾನಿ ಯಾಮುನಾಚಾರಿ ಯಾಮುನಚಾರಿ ಯಶೋರನಂದನ ವ್ರಜಚರಂಜನ ಯಶೋರನಂದನ ವ್ರಜಚರಂಜನ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ 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 ರಮ್ಮ ಹರೇ ರಾಮ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ ಜಯ ರಾಧಾಚಂಜಿ ರಾಧಾಚಂಜಿ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಜಗನಾಥ 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 ಜಯ ಜಯ ಜಗನಾಥ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಬಲದೇವ 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 ಜಯ ಜಯ ಬಲದೇವ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಸುಭದ್ರ 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 ಜಯ ಜಯ ಸುಭದ್ರ ಜಯ ಜಯ ಗೋನಿಥಾಯ 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 ಜಯ ಜಯ ಗೋನಿಥಾಯ ಜಯ 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 ರಾಧಾ ದಮೋದರ ರಾಧಾ ದಮೋದರ ರಾಧಾ ದಮೋದರ ಜಯ ರಾಧಾ ದಮೋದರ ರಾಧಾ ದಮೋದರ ರಾಧಿ ನಿಥಾಯ ಗೋರ ಹರಿ ಬೋಲ್ ಹರಿ ಬೋಲ್ ಹರಿ ಬೋಲ್ ನಿಥಾಯ ಗೋರ ಹರಿ ಬೋಲ್ ಶ 
Jai Srila Prabhupada Jai Shri Shri Radhakalachanjidam Ki Jai Sometimes when we're singing in the morning, in the afternoon or whatever, just singing the kirtan is like the lecture itself. It's like you're something jumps, something you become surcharged, you cannot help it. So forgive me. I can't help it. I always go through the entire uh program like that because I like it. <laughs> um today we're continuing to read from first canto third chapter and text sixteen and it's on Krishna is the source of all incarnations. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Sura Sura Namudahim Matna tamadan rachalam, dare kamatarupanya, prista ekadase viba, surasura namudadim. Matna tamandarachalam, dare kamatarupanya, prista ekadase viba, surasura namudadim. Matna tamandarachalam, Dadreka matarupana pristai karashe vibam. Would anyone like to repeat? Sura sura namudadim. Matnatam andarachalam. Dadreka matarupenam. Pristai karashe Sura Sura Namudadim Matnatamandarachalam Dadreka Matarupanam Ristaikadasevubam Now we'll do word for word Sura the theist, Usuranam, of the atheist, Udadim, in the ocean, Matnatam, churning, Mandarachalam, the Mandarachala hill, Dadre, sustain, Kamata, tortoise, Rupinya, in the form of priste, shell, ikadashe, the eleventh in the line, viba, the great. And the translation here is the eleventh incarnation of the Lord took the form of a tortoise whose shell served as a pivot for the Mandarachala hill. 
which was being used as a churning rod by the theist and the atheist of the universe. The purport, quite brief, once both the atheist and the theist were engaged in producing nectar from the sea so that all of them could become deathless by drinking it. At that time, the Mandarachala hill was used as the churning rod and the shell of Lord Tortoise, the incarnation of Godhead, became the resting place, pivot of the hill in the seawater. Again, once both the atheist and the theist were engaged in producing nectar from the sea so that all of them could become deathless by drinking it. At that time, the Mandarachala hill was used as the churning rod and the shell of Lord Tortoise, the incarnation of Godhead, became the resting place, the pivot of the hill in the seawater. Now, the average person hearing the scriptures, um, well, let's say the scriptures are heard by the average person, those that consider themselves super intelligent, will not comprehend what we just read because to most it sounds like a fairy tale. And I know what has been mentioned within the past week by a couple of devotees is that this is real. This isn't, uh, what is it, Hans Christian Andersen, something, a fairy tale, uh, a cartoon summary of someone's life that's been perceived but never lived. All of the information in the scriptures, the Vedics, the Bhagavad Gita, the Srimad Bhagavatam, is documented. Historically, it has been passed down through the Parampara, the Raman Sampradaya. And what's interesting, there are two points that I wanted to point out. I don't know if I wanted to talk about the spaceships first or NASA or Indra. Okay, let me talk about Indra first. Because last week we had, um, where is this still this week? Yeah, this week we had Govardhan Puja. And, of course, um, Mahatma Prabhu was talking, was giving the story. And it all starts with Indra acting up. Um, that super ego, which is why you have to really be careful when you get a little power or when you think you have a little power. I mean, he never realized the power he was getting was coming from the Lord, but the point is, sometimes we forget where our source is. So Indra had an issue. He took issue. Um, and his... um he wanted it to rain down 
completely over the village. Um, long story short, Krishna comes in, saves the day, heroic. But when you think about anything that Indra is involved in, when you think about any of the stories in the scriptures, there is a lesson in it. There is a point at which we can use it as a life lesson. There is always a lesson in the scriptures, in all of them. You know, Krishna does this. It plays out the uh, the leelas for our benefit, but it's also to teach us things. Well, the Lord Tortoise was Kurma, Lord Kurma. And it st- it also started with Indra. But let me get back to let me get back to NASA. I was talking about how intelligent we feel and how scientists have been looking for other planets and they've discovered that there's a possibility years ago that there are planets above us. I don't know if they realized it, but there are planets below us too, but well, you know, the, the space rocket was always heading up. I never saw it going down. But the point is, these scientists are coming up with this information. And I'm saying that to say, we knew this all along. But I'm not going to focus on that. The point is, with our so-called, so-called quote-unquote intelligent minds, even our eyes, which are extremely important to us, cannot even begin to phantom the size of the sun. Sometimes it looks like a hmm, golf ball, baseball, big ball. It We cannot possibly see with our own eyes the actual size of the sun. Imperfection? Yes, we weren't meant to. You have animals whose senses are so sharp that not only can they smell things that we cannot smell distances away, but they smell fear. They are they come here like that. They're trained like that. Eagle eye. Excellent vision. I'm saying that to say when we think about the scriptures being something that someone concocted, understand it is not. It is all real. Getting back to the point. Indra is involved again, and there is another lesson to be learned here. Um, I'm trying to think of the sage, and I'm not going to give it away because we're going to cover this later. But, uh, again, Indra felt that he was not being honored to the extent or what was given to him who was the sage that gave him a garland? Uh, Nero Tom, do you remember the sage? Or Gave him a garland. And if you have this garland of a, a sage or a, a guru or a anyone that is learned, pure knowledge of the scriptures, if they give that to you, you honor it. You, it is maha. Even whatever remnants that uh, a guru takes, you honor it as maha. 
Well, long story short again, um, Indra's ego gets in the way. And he is punished uh, because he tosses it, the garland aside, like, it's unheard of. You toss a garland aside, and I think he put it on an elephant. And, of course, the elephant destroyed it. So the sage is very kindly watching all of this take place. And he actually blesses him. It seems like a curse, but it's actually a blessing. Whatever we feel like we're getting a curse or something, it's actually a blessing in disguise. We just don't realize it until later. But he was given the blessing that he will lose everything. Everything. Power, wealth, whatever. And I'm stopping at that point because it will go into the next sections that they're going to cover. I may throw in a little bit, but the point is, people at that time may have looked at Indra as a troublemaker, but Krishna placed him there for a reason. Indra had a purpose. Had Indra not carried out some of these scenarios, we would not know some of these lessons. Now, Indra wasn't always the instigator, but Indra had a purpose. And saying that is to bring us up to date in our lives. Now, there are situations where we are in contact, mainly devotees, We have the greatest amount of issues and frictions. But sometimes you'll find that there may be a devotee or so. And I'm not speaking of anyone specifically. I'm just trying to tie this in. But there may be a devotee that causes issues. You know, you you see them coming and you go in the opposite direction or you walk around the building or you just, they come this way, you go that way. They have that type of energy and that type of personality. Well, sometimes it might be good to think that they have been situated in that position for a reason for us to learn something. Now, it may bug the heck out of us when we're around them, but think, just like Indra, they may serve a purpose. Now, there are people that are actually demoniac. Now, we're not, we, we, we're not putting them in the same category. But think about when you have a challenge, look at it as an opportunity to rise above whatever level or whatever position you find yourself in. Um, I'm thinking of a challenge, an anxiety that took place. And as much as the workforce did benefit me. You know, I Krishna gave me enough to sustain myself to live simply and have all the needs covered, very basic. But in my workforce, there was an uh, element, there were a couple of elements that were always causing friction, getting the employees to, you know, to attack each other verbally, uh, mentally, just keeping friction going, and that type of friction 
depending on who you are, is enough to make you walk away from the job. Well, in mine, it elevated. It escalated to a point. And I'm going to write a book so I don't have to keep telling this story again, but I like telling it because it reminds me of the mercy that Krishna gives. But the point is, I was put in a position where I was put in danger. And that was right about the time I was becoming a devotee, so I became very bold. And I was considering taking Diksha of His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami. So every time he came, he powered us up, you know, re-chant. Very firm teacher, but it had its purpose. Thank you, Prabhu. It had its purpose. So whatever they were doing, I was even tougher because I just knew I had Krishna behind me. It was a very miserable time in my life in the workforce. Very miserable time, a lot of stress. And looking back at it now, in the, mid, in the midst of it, I didn't think I was ever going to get through it. I mean, they were doing so many demoniac things. It was like you were watching a movie, and you couldn't believe somebody wrote this movie. But it, these things actually took place where they wanted to harm you, where, as I said, I came across some information accidentally. It wasn't an accident. Krishna arranged it. So... I've always been a fighter for the underdog or the person that doesn't speak up. If if you want something said, ask, mention it to Antariyami. Oh, I can't talk about this. Oh, you told me I'm talking about it. I'm bringing, so I brought everything up to front, to management. And they didn't do anything, so I took it to Washington, D.C. Well, we know all the things that go on in Washington, D.C., so Washington, D.C. kicked it back to the local Location where I was, which meant we're not touching this. So for about two, three years, pure hellish conditions. But those hellish conditions injured me to the point where I could not perform a function. It was an actual injury, deliberate. And I had always thought about, I can't, I cannot see myself working 40 years whatever, for what, a gold watch and a a party. I couldn't see it. But the individuals that had these particular positions in the company that caused the issues that they caused was enough for me to know that in the long run, Krishna was supporting me all the time. Krishna was protecting me all the time. Anytime a bullet goes through a wall and it misses me and climbs glass and goes up cement, that's not ordinary. That's Krishna. And I look back at this now and I can breathe and I can see that I have pulled myself up from that level of I can't believe this is happening until Krishna can do anything he wants. He knows your heart. He knows what you need. How he goes about getting you what you need may not be what you plan, but just know whatever your desires are, Krishna already knows it, and it's probably already been manifested. You've just not come upon it. But 
to relate that to Indra is that situations happen in our lives. And they're not accidents. They happen for various reasons. A devotee understands that situations happen to open our eyes, to tell or teach us something. And the tougher it gets when it looks like you're hanging on by the skin of your teeth, that's right about the time where right around the corner comes the rescue. The thing is, when you've been rescued, you don't even realize it until you breathe. It's like, wow, I'm breathing again. I'm relaxing. But just think, in this particular situation where Indra's behavior caused the need for Krishna to take the role of Kama and be the pivot for Mandara uh, Mountain, which is what is the highest mountain in the world, not only in India, but it is the highest. Krishna took the position of Koma, and they tell me, or at least I understand, that the body of Koma was 15 miles wide, not one mile, but 15 miles. And you can correct me, too, if I'm wrong. I'm allowing you to correct me, but don't. (laughs) But the thing is, Krishna can do amazing things in situations where you can't even see the light. All we have to do is have a little faith, the size of a mustard seed, all that's required, and just a little. And for me, for example, I had a little faith. I didn't have a lot to go on because no one had ever gone through what I had gone through with that company. Um, and now they sit back and it's like, wow, we didn't believe all the wild things that were going on that you wanted us to support you on, but now we see it. Krishna sees in advance, and a devotee that is on the path of devotion that is sincere, that takes the proper association, good association is extremely important for devotees, to listen and hear from the scriptures, you have an opportunity for Krishna to open your eyes, your mind, your heart, and reveal things to you. Whatever it is you need to have revealed, Krishna will reveal it. And for those that just come to Krishna consciousness, for those that are just watching from the outside, Krishna will reveal things to you that do not make any sense, but they are for your own good. But it's higher knowledge that we no doubt he'll had before, but because we're in the material world, we're covered, and we don't remember. But Krishna reveals things to us if we take our time and have moments of quietness and, and solitude and listen to him. It's amazing the realizations that you come up with and you're just sitting there and you have that aha moment like, 
this makes sense. Um, I, I went through the Bhagavad Gita the first time, did not understand anything. But I did it because someone asked me to, favor. It was a favor for me. Over time, I understand it. And you know how you understand something so much and so exact and it's of such a higher nature that it's almost difficult to explain to someone else, but you know it? Krishna gives you a lot of those moments. But getting back to the scripture text, again, the 11th incarnation of the Lord took the form of a tortoise whose shell served as a pivot for the Mandarachalama heel, which was being used as a churning rod by the theist and the atheist of the universe. Once both the atheist and the theist were engaged in producing nectar from the sea so that all of them could become deathless by drinking it, at the time, at that time, the Mandarachala hill was used as the churning rod. And the shell of Lord Tortoise, the incarnation of Godhead, became the resting place or the pivot of the hill in the seawater. And just to give you a little opening of it, you know it had to be an unusual situation where the theist and the atheist or the sewers and the sewers are coming together to work for a cause. There has to be something really big or devastating to take place. But I won't take it away from the reading because we will get into that eventually. I may, we may touch on it from time to time. But uh, I'm going to end at that point. Anyone has any comments or anything you want to share, any questions that you may have, uh, please, please. Nair Tom, if you can find a mic that's working. Actually, I know it works. It's just a matter of turning it up. I don't remember seeing it this morning. Judge, she'd rather call it change it. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. I believe you have it. There it is. So thank you, Mother Antriyami, for giving a nice class this morning. Thank you for both of being here. My, my question has to do with this idea of deathlessness. I'm sorry, the... the deathless, oh. not dying. Deathless. Yeah, deathlessness. My, my question has to deal with that. You know, we're seeing here that people are uh, like demons, you know... And um, demons in the sense of somebody that's basically, you know, trying to enjoy the external material world. Mm. And the devotee is enjoying the internal world. Yes. But here we're seeing an example of demigods and demons coming together to achieve a position of deathlessness, Mm. of not dying. Mm. And it seems like, you know, in the hospital, people are paying so much money not to die. And everybody's, you know, hopefully driving their car very carefully because they don't want to die. And it doesn't matter who you are, but it seems like nobody wants to die. 
But here's my question. My question is that we're all suffering in the material world. So why would you want to not die and stay around here? It's a good question. But you know, mainly, this is my take on it. And this is just from remembering parts of the scripture. First of all, we've landed, we've ended on this earth, this material planet that was designed specifically for those that were wanting to be more, that wanted to be the enjoyers, and in a sense sometimes those that wanted to be like the Lord. The reason most people want, probably want to live, is that they want to enjoy more. The demons, if you tell them they're going to have more enjoyment, they're going to jump for it quicker than um, the uh, Sora, the, um, well, I was going to say the demigods, but they were actually going for it too, but there was a specific reason. But most people want the deathless aspect so that they can continue enjoying and enjoying whatever. And the key thing is that as you get older, you get to be my age, and you get to be even older, you realize and you look back, there is never enough enjoyment to actually satisfy you. It it always takes you to a different level, and then you have to top that level, and then you have to keep going and going. But it's to enjoy sense gratification. And the thing is, enjoying the sense gratification doesn't take you anywhere. It heightens the senses, and then it drops it, and then it makes you look for more. But in actuality... We are all deathless because these material bodies are like spaceships that contain the soul that never dies. So those that are unenlightened, those that are not so much aware that we are not the body, of course they want to live longer and longer. And in this particular um, Leela, a story. Um, there's a reason why the demigods and the demons are working together for this deathless nectar. But in the material world, we want, we can never get enough. There was a story someone gave of a hospital room. Maybe it was the intensive care unit. And you had people that were on the verge of dying. And they tell the story, and I always top it and say, well, that could have been, um, well, watch me, listen. There was a, uh, I guess he was in his 80s or 90s, very ill, very sickly, could barely raise his head. And a beautiful nurse walks through the room. And you can believe this sickly, elderly guy that's got one foot in the grave, 
and the other one with no business being out of the grave, is raising his head to look and enjoy. Even at that point, even on death's bed, we're still trying, there are those that are still trying to enjoy. And I tease them, I said, well, it could have been an 80-some-odd-year-old woman too. But the point is, we want to continue enjoying, and we have to understand there's not enough enjoyment in this material world to ever satisfy you, which is why getting on the devotional path, understanding your relationship with the Lord, who you are and who the Lord is, will get you to understand the real true nature of what you are capable of enjoying and what you have enjoyed, you've just forgot there's something way better than this. Way better. But I'm sorry, did I answer you, Naratom? I was going on and on. No, it's wonderful. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, but in, thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Uh, any other questions? I don't mean to overwhelm you, but when I get on a roll, I, I'm on a roll, but... Talking about, um, I had an lessons. experience in um, during book distribution in the Chicago O'Hare Airport. Mm-hmm. There was a devotee named Kishore Kishori Prabhu, and um, huh. there was an old, very old man, and um, he attempted to sell him a book, but the man said he didn't want to carry the weight of the book, and um, so he just gave a couple dollar donation to uh-huh. this devotee. So then about. Two days later, he came back to the airport, and he was, like, frantic. And uh, those days, the Sixth Canto, um, it was the Sixth Canto Part 1 had just come out. So it's got a picture on the back of the Yamadudas pulling the mm. soul out of the body of a Jamil, mm. and the Vishnu mm. Dudas are there to protect him. Mm-hmm. So the man, he came back to Kishore Kishore Prabhu, and he's saying, Where's that book? Where's the book? And then he, so he handed the Bhagavatam to him. And then he turned to the picture of the Yamadudas and the Vishnadudas and he pointing at the Yamadudas, he said, I saw them. Wow. I saw them. And then Kishori tried to calm him down, Kishore, Kishore, Prabhu. And he, he said, what happened? What happened? He said, oh, I went on the flight and I had a heart attack. Wow. He said, and I was in complete darkness. Wow. And he said, suddenly these powerful beings, they were hideous to look at. He said, and he was kept pointing at the picture saying that they were the Yamadudas. And um, and he said, they came to pull my soul from my body. He said, I, I, I couldn't believe the fear and, and um, the, 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 the um, shocking, ex- you know, the shock of that experience, you know, was like no fear I'd ever heard, had felt before. And um, so then he uh, he said, but then suddenly I woke up and I was inside of a hospital room. Hmm. And um, so he came back to Chicago and he asked, you know, when he was he was he holding the book and he said, so he said, how do I get free? How do I get free? This the man was very old and Kishore um, Kishore showed him the pictures of is a picture of Krishna and Balaram with a bunch of like deer and animals. It's very beautiful in the forest. And he says, if you uh, chant this Hare Krishna mantra, 
then you will go here. If you can keep living like you're living, then you'll go with those Yamadudas. And he said, what? What? Hare Krishna mantra? Mm-hmm. And then he started teaching him how to chant. And the man was like, like almost yelling, you know, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna. And people were coming around and looking at him, you know. So he, uh, Kishore Kishore said, you should take the book. And then he asked him for a donation. He said, I have no money. I have no money. He said, oh, then give me your watch. And the man pulled his watch off his wrist, like without even unstrapping oh. it, you know, just like yanked it off his wrist to give to Kishore Kishore. Yeah. Then he t- asked him where he was going. He said he was going to Denver. So he said, we have a temple in Denver. And then the next day, the man went to the temple and bought the whole set of Prabhupada's books. Really? Haribo. Hare Krishna. What, that's amazing how you never know when you're going to have an experience where you need the Lord. And usually we need the Lord when we have an experience. Otherwise, we're la-da-da-da-da, we're just good. But amazing stumbling blocks or challenges are put in our pathway when we are ready to take to God consciousness or Krishna consciousness. That's believable. That is that in a book? That should go in a book somewhere. Because there are a lot of stories that devotees, and especially yeah, we should do a book, book about Sankirtan stories. Out. There's so many beautiful there are stories. A lot of stories, lots of stories. I had, you know, I talked to you before about doing programs in these um, assisted living. I didn't forget it. Apartments and things. I didn't forget it. I had a group of people come in um, the other day, older senior citizens. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, I'm a monk or something, right? So they came in here to the temple, and then they, I said, well, I said, welcome to Kalachanji's, you know, is it your first time here? I said, you know, I can just start by asking if you have any questions. So, like, the kind of the tallest, old gentleman that was with them, you know, kind of like the leader amongst them, mm-hmm. he asked me, he said, we're here to ask you, what happens after oh death? Oh, my gosh, that is... He said, what do you believe will happen to you after death? That's our question. They want to know at that point in life. Like they've never been told anything about it in detail before. And at that point, you were definitely a lot closer to leaving your body than you were scores of years before. But then again, you don't have to even be a score, a year to leave your body. But that's when they start asking questions. At a relative, I guess he knew he was going to be sick, but he was never really a religious person. And all of a sudden he's asking, why don't we hear about what happens after death? And because my mother-in-law was, you know, she was very much into the church. She encouraged the church to have a, a program. There's a play that they have, I think, around Christmas or maybe Easter where the, the the whole purpose of it is uh, the person dying and leaving their body and, and going to heaven and finding out what's going on. There's there's a name of it, very popular, many years ago when I was growing up. They always had this story once a year, but hopefully those that are he- hearing this and those that are listening will not wait until they're at a point where they're uh, mature, very mature, and they're asking about death. Fortunately, devotees understand that it's not death. It's the body has worn out. 
The soul never wears out. The soul never dies. And it takes a while to grasp that, like, this is, it looks like me. This must be me. This is not really you. The soul is inside, and it is the you that has been with Krishna eternally, lifetime after lifetime. You've just chosen this type of uh, vessel to reside in now. But I think it's important, and I still think it's important to be in a position to go to these places and bring up the topic so that it's not morbid, but like they automatically brought it up to you. What happens after death? My mother, she's just had a heart attack, and um, she's 80 years old. But uh, she recovered. She was taking some kind of blood thinner, so the heart attack didn't affect her. So she was fine. But anyway, that's a side point. The thing was, um, His Holiness Giri Rajmarj has written this amazing book called Final Exam. Yes. And he has two editions of it. One is for the devotees and one is for the public. Mm. So he gave me a copy for my mom. He's not, he, he knows her. Mm-hmm. So I gave it, I went to visit her after that and I gave it to her, you know, and she was like so, and she's a devotee, you know, like she right, chants right. and watches the programs and she might even be listening right now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she was very like obstinate about not reading it. She thought, oh my God, this is so depressing. You know, the final exam, here I am old, I know I'm going to die soon. Uh-huh. And everything. I said, no, no, mom, I said, you know, you should read it so that you have a better understanding. And so we started reading it together. Hmm. And by the end of the second chapter, you know, my mom was like so interested. Hmm. And um, yeah, so that's the thing I see that a lot of people, they don't want to address it because they feel that it's um, depressing, you know, to yes. think about dealing with death or having to die, especially when you're older, you know, yes. like that. But um, like you said, if the presentation's done properly... You know, years ago, you're talking about drama, we used to have a street drama. We would go on Harinam and then we would do these little like street skits. Mm. So we had one called the Jesus Christ credit card. Have you ever seen that? No. (laughs) No. Anyway, so there was this, you know, Christian man and he had the Jesus Christ credit card. And every time he performed a sin, he would charge it to Jesus Christ. So anyway, at the end of his life, he dies, you know, and he's in hell. And Satan goes there, and Satan comes before him. You know, we had one of those little horn, plastic horn things, you know. And um, so, and then he says, oh, my God, this is hell, isn't it? And he said, yes, I'm Satan, but um, I don't like to be so formal. You can call me Toby if you like. Toby? <laughs> anyway, anyway so he said, how did I end up here? He said, Satan says, what do you mean? You perform so many sins. He said, but I charge them to Jesus Christ. Christ should pay for this. Uh-huh. And he said, I'm sorry, son. We don't accept those cards oh, here. Oh, gosh. I knew this was coming. Nera Tom, I, 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 I count on you to kind of round out these classes to give some humor to it. But that's a good point, though. Good stories are always good. Funny. It's going to hit me where it's really funny. It's just, I just have to enjoy it while you're enjoying it. Thank you, Tom, for sharing. <laughs> Does anyone else have any anything you want to share, or we're going to end it so you can take prasada? This young man seems to be a newcomer here. <laughs> you're just visiting, yeah, or are you? Yeah, are you? 
just visiting?
shake us up a little bit to realize that we're not on the proper path. And with you, that incident, I'm sure your body was miserable and you may still have the effects of it. But the point is, it changed your concept of thinking and living and dying and maybe not being so afraid of it as you were before. Before, like a lot of us, before we came to Krishna consciousness, the thought of dying scared. I mean, not that I want to right now because it's like I'd be, you know, negotiating with the Lord. Well, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I haven't done that. But (laughs) you have to take me, take me. But I'm not as afraid now because... It's the body that's dying, and I've always, and, and lifetime after lifetime, based on where we're focused at the point of death, we get that body. You got your body, all of us have gotten these bodies for a reason, and it's an opportunity. You know, um, it, it's okay that, you know, you're not looking for yourself, you're just here because you're comfortable and different things are, are, are make you uh, happy to be here, but the point is, at some point in time, we get to the point where we realize that we don't really belong here, and there is a path of discovery that we need to be on to find out who we are, where we belong, and maybe along the way find out what it is we need to correct before we get to where we're going. But yeah, like, like you said, you know, you had the accident, and that was a wake-up call in actuality because... A car hit you, you could have died. But a part of you did actually die, that old you. And hopefully you stay on the path. Yes, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Okay, they're, they're going to stop me from talking in a minute. But okay, we'll end at this point. Srimad Bhagavatam Kijai. Srila Prabhupada Kijai.